Okay. Well, let's see what we can make of today. A hat, brooch, pterodactyl. <laughs> That's good. Airplane references. Your mind is sharp. Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the laughter. <laughs> the heroes. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters. And the honesty. What's up, Norm? My nipples. It's freezing out there. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Stuck in the 80s, it's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in L.A. And today we tackle the songs that only made it to number two on the Billboard chart in 1981. Utah, give me two. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. You can find our podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and the CLNS Media mobile app. Hey gang, so we're back again to honor a group of songs that in the year 1981 reached number two on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 chart and pooped out right there. We're actually dividing 1981 into two shows because this phenomenon happened to so many tunes that year. We can't cover it in one show. Oh, it's too much. You know, there's, there's rules. I can't even. But ironically, this show actually starts with a Beatle and ends with a Beatle. Well, everyone's entitled to two, aren't they? And smell the one. But what's in the middle, Steve? What is in the middle? Marshmallow goodness. Mmm, delicious pop chewy center. Yeah. This is a fun series, and honestly, you know, could we have done these all in one show if we weren't lazy bastards? Maybe. Maybe, Rabbit. That could be. But, uh, you know, feel like you're getting your money's worth out of this podcast, because again, I'll, I'll issue you the money-back guarantee if you're having trouble. Yeah. You might also notice the staggering lack of commercials we had lately, so you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is, once again, we're, we're building on the, the Lord's work that Chuck Coverley sent us, a giant spreadsheet of songs that got stuck at number two, like starting in like Mozart's time and going through last week. Right. It's a rather exhaustive spreadsheet, but uh, we're focused on the important part. He did the hard work for us, so we will spin some yarn and see what we can make of this show topic. Johnny, what can you make out of this? This? Well, I could make tap. What a brooch, a pterodactyl. Um. Brad, why don't you get us started? Steve, the first song that stalled out at number two in 1981. Let's put some more qualifiers on there. That was sung by a former Beatle. Is this one from John Lennon? One I can hardly express my mixed emotions at my thoughtlessness. I actually like this song a lot. Yeah, this is not a bad song. I I'm mean, there's a reason it, it went to number two. I'm surprised it didn't top the charts, to be honest. I mean, there was so much momentum yeah. behind that album once he, once he, I mean, unfortunately died. He, he had just passed away, right? So this was released uh, December 1980. Uh, it charted in early 1981. Right before he died, he was uh, interviewed for Rolling Stone magazine and said that this song was a grown-up version of his song, Girl. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it 
in the UK, we'll talk a little bit about our neighbors across the sea. In the UK, it debuted at number three and eventually climbed up to number one. Uh, when it got to number one, it knocked the re-release of Imagine out of the top spot, and it you know spent a couple weeks up there enjoying the view. You know, the UK, you just never really know what's going to be popular over there. It's a little smaller market. Uh, here stateside, as we've already said, it peaked at number two. It spent three weeks at number two on the Billboard Hot 100. However, Steve, however, it topped the competing cash box charts for a couple of weeks. I'm like, what the heck are the cash box charts? I've never heard of those. That was the look on my face just now. Yeah. Well, it was another publication that ran. Actually, it may still be around, but at the time in the in the 60s, 70s, probably into the 80s, there were I think there were three. There's Billboard, Cashbox, and the Steve Spears Record Index. Uh, I'm sure all of them were subject to various uh, various amounts of payola and kickback to get get space. But from <laughs> what I, was, I can what, tell, when I was 14 years old, I don't think so. I mean, what were they getting? Me? Hot, hot well, Wheels cars. Obviously, you were you were doing it for Cocoa Puffs. Yeah. Uh, hey, what I can tell, take that Cocoa Pebbles. If you screw that up one more time, I'm going to be really pissed. From what I can tell, Billboard is based on airplay and record sales, while Cashbox concentrated on record sales and jukebox plays. I don't know how important those (laughs) are. Anyway, moving on. That's a little fun fact for you. Woman loitered around the top 40 for 17 weeks. You know, kind of slow climb up, slow climb down. So what kept it out of the top spot? Well, we got two, two, two songs for one. The first one is this lovely piece of tunesmanship by Speedwagon. So that's the lead single from High Infidelity, which you probably have bought on six or seven different uh, media. Oh, at least. <laughs> This is the number one album for 15 non-consecutive weeks in 1981. It would climb up to number one, then drop down to number two for a few weeks, and then back up. So this was a monster, monster album. But this is the first REO Speedwagon single to break the top 50. Yeah. And are you sitting down their ninth studio album? Ninth. Nine times. Nine times. They kicked around for a while. If you see them live today... They'll go back and they'll play some of their older stuff, like two or three songs. I mean, obviously, this song comes about halfway through the set list, I believe, most of the time. Yeah. I remember when we talked to Kevin Cronin, and we, we, we asked him about, for the podcast. It was like 12 years ago. We've been doing this yeah. for 15 effing years. Get a hobby, dude. <laughs> this is it. This is, I'm, I'm in the thick <laughs> of my hobby right now. I'm in the, I'm in the eye of the hurricane. But I remember asking him, like, do you know when you're putting together an album like this? Do you know it's just – does it really – does it feel like, oh, my God, we're on to something here? And he's like, no, yeah. not really. <laughs> not really. Just just put it out there and see what happens. Yeah. Kind of like we do with podcasts. And then he would later say during the interview that this was a song he had to actually fight to get the band to play along with. He wrote it, and he started playing it, and the rest of the band's like, what? This is Aria Speedwagon. So he's playing it on the, the keyboards. The rest of the band kind of comes in and sort of makes it their own. And hence, pada, we have what is considered to be the first power ballad of the 80s. I will grant it that. And also, gentle listener, this was the 17th video to play on MTV's first day. Yeah. And if we ever ask you the question at a trivia session, what was the 17th video to play on MTV's first day? As you bury the knife in our chest, I will expect you to scream, scream out, keep on loving you, yeah. my- 
Because that's a hard question. That's a really hard question. So this was number one for a one glorious week. Wow. One shining week. What else kept it out of the slot? The second song that kept it out of the, out of the top was Blondie's Rapture. Five, five, ready, tell me everybody's life. DJ spinning, I said, my, my. Flash is fast, flash is cool. Francois, c'est pas, flash ain't no do. And you don't stop, shoot a shot. Go out to the parking lot and get in your car and drive real far. And drive all night and then you see your light. And comes right down and lands on the ground. And out comes a man from Mars. And you try to run, but you got a gun. And you shoot you dead we talked about this song before we talked be about this if we hadn't yeah i forget what show but sometime in the last year or so we talked about this and we talked about the fact that it was like kind of one of the first mainstream rap songs yeah not the first rap song to chart but it was the first song with rapping to go to number one which is maybe a little bit of a maybe we're slicing it a little thin there but that's it's true I mean, it's not really it's straight up rap. It's kind of a mishmash. Yes, that is a technical term, mishmash, of funk and little hip hop and and rap and look, whatever you call it, we all know the words. It's slow enough to dance to. That's all I care about. Yeah, that would work. Well, I don't really know what you do during the rap part. What am I supposed to like? Kind of bob in place. Just kind of, just kind of feel it, man. <laughs> feel your way. Just I can't. Take some I advice can't. from Olivia Neutron Bomb. I can't. I can't do it. I can't feel my way on the dance floor. I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a sweaty, insecure mess. Kind of the same way I am when I'm recording a podcast. But I just need you to remember, Steve, that there's no parking on the dance floor. Oh, there'll be some passing out on the dance floor, though. <laughs> well, let me tell you about another song. <laughs> That hit number two on the charts in 1981 and got no further. Uh, it's this little uh, doodah. It's not a doodah. It's a song. What, I, what am I inventing? Why am I inventing new terms for this podcast this week? I'm, I'm on a weird, hopped up medication of Gatorade and uh, anti-flu medicine or something. I don't know what it is, but anyway, this was from uh, Grover Washington Jr. Just the two of us. Can make it if we try just the two of us. Just the two of us. Just the two of us. Building them castles in the sky. Just the two of us. You and I. Just the two of us. You remember this one, Brad? Just the oh, two yeah. of us. It's so catchy. <laughs> it's so catchy. Although somehow I feel like, you know, you were saying woman probably should have made it to number one i feel like just the two of us is like it's aspirational for it to get into the top five i think this is like a number seven song he overachieved grover overachieved yeah good for you grover the most (laughs) overachieving grover since super grover yeah hey lode it is i your furry little friend grover can i get a shirt from you that says grover overachieved i haven't gotten a shirt from you in a long time that's true it's about time i can have grover from sesame street on it Grover Achiever. Ooh. (laughs) There's a meme in the making. We finally found a way to monetize the podcast. The Grover Achiever (laughs) t-shirt, which will lead to a lawsuit from Sesame Workshop before you can say, I saw Snuffleupagus. (laughs) Oh, man. So this was a song that appeared on Washington's album called Wine Light, which is also my middle name. Seriously? (laughs) Wine Light is the name of the album? Yeah. An edited what is he version. trying to horn in on Barry White's territory here yes. with this crap? That's okay. Wine-light. Give Grover his due. <laughs> I just keep on. How many times can we say Grover? 
I just, I'm sorry. I, I, it's, it's this zero calorie. It is funny, Steve. It stuff is funny. I'm drinking. It's zero calorie Gatorade, and it's, it's my body doesn't know what to do with it. Anyway, to make a long story short, because I've got nothing else to say about just the two of us. I mean, I think you summed it up perfectly when you said, you know, the fact that it even got into the top five is is kind of unusual. You know, yeah. good for you, Grover. Good for you. <laughs> God bless you, Grover. Two songs kept it out of the top spot. Um, oh, I love it. Neither one of these are songs that I love. And so I will keep my commentary short and to the point. There's this song by Sheena Easton. I feel my soul uh-huh. collapsing upon itself like a like a black hole. The right moment to go into the black hole is now. This song makes me think of the opening scene in Married to the Mob. Oh. Yeah, but it's not the song they play. It's Mambo Italiano, isn't it, or something like that? That's right, because they get on the morning train and they cap some guy in the head. Oh, that's right. See? There you are. You always have the details. You're kind of the Grover of this podcast, I guess you could say. (laughs) I'm Grover Achieving. (laughs) So there's that song. If there's anything to say about Morning Train, it's that it was released with two names. It's, It's called Morning Train, but it's also called Nine to Five. But they had to. What a way to make a living! If you have to make me put the pieces together for you, it's because Dolly Parton had a hit called Nine to Five" about that same time. So that's the problem there, Grover. Ugh, people are gonna problematic. Just like last podcast was like the Falcon and the Snowman. People are gonna be like, "Stop and- saying Grover, Grover." We will. <laughs> I swear. This is that's the last time we're gonna say Grover the G word. Uh, the Are second, you sure? Grover. It's the last time I'm going to say it. Grover. The second song that kept, uh, as we like to call him now, Mr. Washington out of the top spot. Grover. Uh, this one, <laughs> this, this this fairly recognizable tune by Kim Carnes. And she'll tease you, she'll unease you, all the better just to please you. She's precocious, and she knows just what it takes to Brad, do you have an opinion on Betty Davis eyes? Um, I can tolerate it a lot more now than I could say even five years ago. Like I can appreciate it for what it is, which is a pop song that was way, way, way overplayed in nineteen eighty one. It was it was radio wallpaper in nineteen eighty one. It was wherever you looked, there it was. Yeah, it made a pro blush, that's for sure. Interestingly enough, like so many songs in this episode, we've we've previously discussed it in another in another podcast. It is a song that is a cover song. The original version was recorded in 1974 by uh, Jackie DeShannon. Betty Davis, the actress, was 73 years old when this song went to number one. She wrote letters to both Kim Carnes and uh, Jackie DeShannon to thank them and another co-writer. Uh, Donna Weiss thanked them all for making her a part of modern times and said that now her grandson looked up to her because of the song. So that's all the boys think she's a spy. <laughs> I couldn't stand that song. What the heck is a spy? <laughs> I can't stand it. Ah, I, I know I'm being a jerk. I'm sorry. I just. It's okay. No, I think Kim Carnes is laughing all the way to the bank. She doesn't care if you like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's not sitting around crying because I oversaid the G word and now I'm ragging on her. <laughs> it's a couple of chuckleheads like us are saying, eh, not my favorite. Just didn't. 
I, I, I like her. Just this song was just it was too much in nineteen eighty one. Too much. What do you got, Brad? What's your second song from nineteen eighty one that only made it to number two? I'm coming back with a guy that you do not associate with the eighties, and that is Smokey Robinson and his song Being With You. I don't care if they start to avoid me. Smokey Robinson in the 80s? Okay. Yeah, yeah really sort of. Don't kinda. really make a big connection there. But this is the title track from a, his album, his 1981 album. It went gold. So, you know, he was he was moving product. He was doing his thing. But that song is his highest charting solo single. Wow. Even, uh, well, as a solo act. I'm, with the miracles, you know, Tears of the Clown went to number one. Duh. <laughs> uh, famous moments in podcast history. That one went to number one. Duh. Much Like Woman, number two on the Billboard Hot 100, but number one on the cash box. Oh, the f- cash box. I don't know what those cash box we, guys know no that one. the Billboard guys don't know. Maybe no. the, well, maybe this, the is, this, this whole show quicker. is about the Billboard, so who gives a about the cash box? I just think it's interesting. Do you? Let me ask a question about Smokey Robinson, Steve. <laughs> Why am I the angry podcaster of this show? <laughs> it's kind of fun. I like it. Smokey Robinson in the 80s, is he better known as a solo artist, as a member of the Miracles, or as the subject of the ABC song When Smokey Sings? I'm going to tell you right now, it's not because of the ABC song. Because I don't think really? I even understood the, I don't think I even understood the lyrics to that song until maybe seven or eight years ago. Really? So you think he was better known as a solo artist? Yes. Like from, from, not from the '80s. Not he was known 80s as like nation. That. Well, I'm talking about in the '80s. I'm talking about what's his '80s rep. Rep. Like, yeah, obviously he's he was, better known he was for a, singing "Tears of the Clown." A, Duh. That's it. But that's it. I mean, he. I mean, he was. He had the song that was in Platoon. You know, and that was it. That, yeah. that was his reputation. When Smokey I, sings, I think that's the primary exposure most '80s fans had to well, Smokey Robinson was that they're wrong. song. <laughs> they're they're all right behind me right now, and we're coming to kick your ass. That's fine. Better keep that cruise cabin door locked, buddy. It's like eighty degrees here in Florida, and clearly, my my my, um, it's disturbing my chemical balance. The other <laughs> issue, if you're going to have an issue, the other issue I have with this particular track has nothing to do with the music, but with the porno stash on the cover of this album. I mean, Smokey Robinson is sporting a just terrible '70s mustache. Yeah, I mean, I had a great mustache in the '80s, but it was. It was so soft and smooth. But it wasn't in 1981. Uh, not too long after that. I think I had one in uh, 1983. Wow. The hormones are kicking in early for you. Yeah. Huh? Well, you've got to learn the lesson that you have to – well, the lesson or the curse, which is the more often you shave, the, the thicker it comes in. Is and, that true? I think that's a myth. Can we get a doctor to weigh in on that one? And if you – and you can't go swimming for 45 minutes after eating. And if you pee in the pool, the water turns purple. God, wouldn't that be All great? All those things are absolutely true. <laughs> <laughs> Enough about that. Would you like to know what song kept this uh, out of the number one spot? I would. It's none other than your old friend, Kim Carnes. All the boys think she's a spy. She's got Patty Davis Look, enough of that. We don't need more clips of that song. Let me instead share an anecdote that was shared by our spirit guide on this quest, Casey Kasem, on the 
June 6, 1981 countdown, when Smokey was stuck at number two, he said, let me tell you about it. I wish I could do this in his voice. I won't even try, but just imagine it in his voice. Let me tell you about a coincidental relationship between Smokey at number two and Kim Carnes, who's at number one again this week. Kim's last hit was More Love, her remake of an old Smokey Robinson hit. Well, Smokey liked Kim's version so much that he wrote her another song. But when Smokey's producer heard the demo, he told Smokey, you ought to record it yourself. And that's the song we just heard in the number two position. And how ironic is it that Smokey's recording of the song he'd written for Kim Carnes has been kept out of the number one song by a Kim Carnes hit for three weeks running. Everyone following along here? I have a flow chart <laughs> that we'll post online in case you're... <laughs> it's not that hard. Although the irony there is Kim Carnes didn't write that song either. True. I've calmed down now, I think. Steve, get us out of this Smokey Robinson cul-de-sac with another Beatle, will you? Okay. We're going to wrap things up with another Beatle. And, and I'm sorry I've been kind of obnoxious this podcast. I got a lot of a lot of stuff going on. I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of loopy. I'm sorry. It's understanding uh, that allows the person such as myself to tolerate a person such, such as yourself. Yeah. You, you've been very, very patient, Brad, and and and, it, and the three <laughs> listeners who are still sticking with us after after that weird first half of the show, I appreciate your patience as well. We come back to the show with this gem, one of my favorites, actually, by George Harrison. It's called "All Those Years Ago." We're living in a bad dream. Now, Stuck in the 80s did a nice series of shows. Uh, I want to say it was just two years ago. It was probably like six no, years ago. It was a while ago. Yeah. Where we did Beatles in the 80s. And we talked about the songs that the Beatles you know, produced individually since they were long gone as a group by then. And so I'm 99% sure we probably covered all those years ago by George Harrison. It's a great tribute, I think. He wrote it. Prior to John Lennon's death, it was actually written for Ringo Starr to record. Oh. Ringo thought that the vocal was too high for his range, so Harrison took it back. After John died, the lyrics were changed to to become a tribute to him. And so even when you're listening to the song, there's references to All You Need Is Love and Imagine. You, know, you were the one who imagined it all, the falcon yeah. and the snowman. Stop it. So... Anyway, a lovely, lovely tribute kept out of the number one spot by this gem from Kim Carnes. All the boys think she's a spy. She's got... No! Damn you, Kim! Man. I think maybe that's why I'm she so was angry. Steven Spearsy eyes. Yeah. Those would be bloodshot and halfway open most of the time. Mm, that sounds just, good. If you wanted to go back and listen to our George Harrison show, it's episode three eleven. Three eleven. Wow. As I as I looked, I looked that up while Spearsy was monologuing. What year? You know what year was he, it? You know how he gets. It was two thousand fourteen. Yee! I was right. Six years. Yeah, I guessed right. I have a thing about years. That's crazy. <laughs> I have a thing about years, and I have a thing about something else, my friend. What could that be, Steve? Grover. The Siggies. the mystical refrain of I want my mystery TV theme song 
which is still by far the most awkwardly named segi that we've ever come up with, other than hysterical historical hysterical happenings, happenings. <laughs> <laughs> which lasted one episode, I think. Right? We did actually do uh, it. Yeah, but that was before I joined the show. I believe that's correct. Yeah. One time. Proof, again, that even after a really, really, really bad idea, you can still continue a podcast for another 10 years. You know, What's in Spearsy's Socks was popular that, for a few not, episodes. Yeah. Well, What Makes Spearsy Cry was popular for maybe 10. Take This Job and Shove It. We had a good run with that. Yeah, that was fun. Um, Is there anything else? Stuck in, Stuck in the 80s was the one oh, that started yeah. when I came on the show. Yeah, that was interesting. I, I just like the harp sound effects in and out of it. Those are the days. All those years ago. Heady anyway, times, pay, heady times. We'll, we'll play a snippet of a TV thong. A, a TV thong. There we go. <laughs> We've finally done it. I've finally broken my mouth. We will play a... Now I can't even say it. We'll play a clip of something that was once on television in the 80s. See, if I don't have to say the word theme. It's falling apart, Brad. This is it. Hold my hands. We go over the edge. The center cannot hold. <laughs> anyway, here was the clip from a couple shows ago. That's the theme to Entertainment Tonight. That's an unusual pick by you, Brad. I, I, you chose the song that week, and I, I was really... You, you were thinking outside the box. You know, I thought it's time to go non-primetime. There's a lot of daytime and you know syndicated programming that we have been ignoring, and... You know, Entertainment Tonight started, I think, in 1981 and is, I think, still on, which just boggles the mind. Didn't they just have a reunion? John Tesh yeah. and... John Tesh and Mary Hart uh, reunited. I think it was... I think it's today, the day we're recording. I think it was the episode that's on tonight. Oh. So that's kind of interesting. I did see a picture and I'm like, you know, you just kind of imagine John Tesh is going to stay looking like John Tesh forever. He's not. He, he, he's a little older. He's seven, I think he's, he's 73 years old than he was in 1981. Not like yeah. us. We're obviously basically exactly the same. Oh, my God. Speaking but, of that, I, I promised we weren't going to talk about this this show. It's only out of a weird segue. But here it comes. <laughs> We're not going to talk about the cruise. We're not going to talk about the 80s cruise. You know the struggle of trying to time your haircut for you know, an event oh, like that? Dude, I'm, I, yeah, it's, I, the struggle is real, my friend. So I, I've had it on a calendar now for the last three months. Like, like these are the weeks that I have to get my hair cut so that it, I get it cut the way I like it, and then it will grow out just enough that the girlfriend will, will tolerate it uh, for the cruise. <laughs> and that window is two weeks. Two, it has to be done two weeks ahead of time. And so yesterday I was getting my hair cut, and all this gray hair, you know, I'm just seeing on the – Oh, I know. And I'm like, what is this all about? And yeah, Would you cut some <laughs> old guy's hair before I sat down? Don't you people sweep? <laughs> I said something to her. Like, I'm like, oh, all these gray hair. She's like, oh, it looks pretty good for someone your age. And I'm like, don't just do that. Twist it. Twist it. Doesn't even know how old I am. I'm like, you're just, just, just let it go. Just, just say, just pretend you didn't hear me. Yeah. Anyway, uh, read some of the winners. Well, before I do, there's one story I want to tell that reminded me of uh, in, when I was in college. I had a friend that shows up at my apartment one Saturday morning and he's like, you know, Hey, Brad, come on. We've got to go down to, uh, at the time, El Toro was still a Marine base. It was right there by Irvine when we were in school. He's like, we're going down to El Toro to get buzz cuts. I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, we are. We're going. And I'm like, 
no, I'm not. And he's like, you better go. I'm going to tell everyone you wouldn't go. And I'm like, no, if you show up on Monday without a buzz cut, I'm going to tell everybody you came over here insisting that you were going to get one. And then you punked out. And he was like, oh, crap. (laughs) So he went and got a buzz cut. His girlfriend wrote him this note that he shows me on Monday. It's like, dear, you know, name here. I won't out him on the show, but I still love you, but I don't have to love your haircut. <laughs> Is he married to that to that girlfriend? They're still together. Wow. Yeah, they were married by the time we graduated. Enough about that. Would you like to hear some winners, Steve? Yeah, yeah. Start reading some names. Here we go. Winners this week include Jeff in Utah, Dave Horn, Kyle K in Arkansas, Dave in an undisclosed location, Jonathan Thompson, Dave De La Dirt. Peter from Montreal, Dave in Oxford, Dale in Portland, Dr. John in L.A. Center, Kentucky, Jeremy in St. Pete, Christian in Duluth. Apology accepted, Captain Nita. Apology accepted, Captain Nita. Tim Kelly from Asheville, New New Carolina. What the f***? Tim Kelly from Asheville, North Carolina. Rock the Good Ag. Wendy in Charleston, South Carolina. We're very popular in the Carolinas, Steve. Kevin Serving Wedge. Eric Celine, Gene and Gilroy, Crispy Critter in Minnesota, Michael Mockrock Hayes, Alan Titus, Barney Rubble in Linden, Washington, Joseph Joe Bob Purdue, and Old Fashioned Dean. Okay, spin the wheel. Let's find out who's going to win a copy of Bread Bags and Bullies by Stephen Manchester. Okay, here we go. Looks like it's going to land on. Gene and Gilroy, uh, you are the winner. Send us your postal address and we'll send you a copy of that book and the author we interviewed last week. You know, the copy of the thing from the thing that we did. With the stuff. (laughs) Meanwhile, pay attention. This week's Mystery TV theme song challenge was submitted specifically by our old friend Crispy Critter. Here we go. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com and tune in soon to find out if you're a winner. We'll be right back after this commercial break. And now, the Stereo Warehouse on the Gulf Freeway presents the Audio Video Prince! Yes, the Audio Video Prince, making great deals at the Stereo Warehouse, like this. A telephone answering machine. Just $49. Here's another Prince of a deal. Compact LaserDisc, $199. And here's the real royal deal. I sincerely want to make this deal to you. Car stereos just... The Stereo Warehouse, Gulf Freeway in Edsbrook. Any other deal is no big deal. And we're back. We have a few minutes left. I thought, let's play an old game we like to call Please, Please Tell Me Now. Please, please tell me now. Please, please tell me now. This is an old segment, and probably there are some people out there who don't remember what it's all about. This is basically, in the old days, people used to email us a lot of questions that they wanted us to answer, and so we started answering them on the show, and we started calling it Please, Please Tell Me Now. The offer still stands. Email us any kind of question you want us to answer during a podcast, and we will. It just we haven't had too many lately, so it's been kind of tough to to conjure it up. This one comes from Christian in Duluth, who writes, "Hey guys, there's something I have to confess. There's a whole slew of movies from the '80s that I've never seen. Movies like Saint Elmo's Fire, some kind of wonderful, even Footloose. What? <laughs> it's weird, and I kind of feel neglectful about it. It's also a strange mosaic of what I have seen versus what I haven't seen. Pretty in Pink." Still haven't seen it. My dinner with Andre, seen it and own it. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah, a little bit. uh, Anyway, Christian continues. We all make choices. We all make choices, Christian. Christian continues. That brings me to my question. What movies from the 80s do you feel shameful for not having seen, and why haven't you seen them? Oh, this is 
pretty easy for me. Yeah. It, it's going to be the Goonies. I mixed up all this fake puke at home, and then I went to this movie theater, hid the puke in my jacket, climbed up to the balcony, and then, then I made a noise like this. <laughs> And then I dumped it over the side. Oh, and all the people in the audience. Then, then this was horrible. All the people started getting sick and throwing up all over each other. I never felt so bad in my entire life. Do you really feel shameful about that, though, Steve? I'm gonna yeah. question that. I'm gonna question that. No, I, I mean, for a while, I kind of wore it as a badge. But I was at a Christmas party this year. My, one of my girlfriend's best friends, like, she grilled me on why haven't I seen Goonies? And, like, would I make a commitment to seeing Like, push you into the corner? Would I make a commitment to seeing it in the, in the new year? And so I did. I said, yeah, I will see it. And then in January, I was in New York. Yeah, I thought you were supposed to watch it. We were. But a huge snowstorm hit that weekend. And it kind of screwed up our whole... Was the power out? No, but it screwed up our whole schedule as far as when we could do things when we couldn't. And then there wasn't any time left for the Goonies. So I haven't seen... The Goonies is like Jello. There's always room for the Goonies. No, it's like five and a half hours long. There's there's never enough room for for the Goonies. I will say I tried to watch it once. And I got like maybe 25 minutes into it. And I was just like, boring, and turned it off. I just... Um, Yeah, I think you're going to... I don't want to pee in the well here but i don't think you're gonna like it just because you're not at the right place to enjoy it no i know you know 12 year old steve needs to show up for this one yeah 12 year old steve is long gone well summon that <laughs> back up because we need him for this movie <laughs> we'll see i i thought i would have watched it by now but no i haven't so what's what's your answer brad i'm looking forward to your book report when you do see it my answer is purple rain every time we give you a song you say you're gonna use it but you never do you think we're doing something behind your back you're just being paranoid as usual. Wendy. Shut up, Lisa, please. You should know by now that we wouldn't hurt you. You should know by now that we wouldn't put a dark cloud over your head. It's just to make you feel good. You felt this way with us before, remember? Why should he do your music? He's been getting along just fine without it. Next thing you know, you'd be wanting to use his motorcycle. Why am I ashamed for not having seen it? Because... My very close friend, Steve Spears, sent me a copy for my birthday. Oh, yeah. And it's still sitting in the DVD case wrapped on the shelf. Oh, I know exactly where it is. I just I just haven't watched it. I just, I I don't know. Just, it's, it's hard for me to get excited about well, it. Again, situation here. It's not a particularly well-acted movie. And the plot line at times makes no sense. But if you think well, of it as yeah, if you I, think mean, I of feel it, like I know the framework. Yeah, you know. But if you take that but, aside and just say, "Look, it's going to be a ninety-minute music video," then it's it's a lovely movie. <laughs> I don't know. These are weird adjectives. You know what? I just had a bolt from the blue. Here's what I need to do on a Friday night when I don't have to do anything the next morning. I need to get out my old-fashioned makings, cue this baby up, cue up the long-lost, stuck in the '80s. Purple no. Rain commentary track, no. which I am the sole keeper of, and listen to the commentary no. track while I watch Purple oh, Rain God, for the was... first time and slowly pickle my liver. <laughs> I'll do that for you, listener, oh. for science. Let's not even go there. For science. <laughs> now that I know you're not happy about it, I'm totally doing you it. You won't. It'll sound like a good idea for another yeah, 12 minutes, it. and then you're going to forget all about it. I'm going to do it. I'm not saying when. <laughs> 
before the end of the year. Let's just say that. Okay, Nation, if you have an 80s movie that you're shameful for not having watched yet, we'd love to hear from you. Email us your little story and your justification at podcast at sit80s.com. In the meantime, that's all we got for this week. We'll be back with part two of 1981. But in the meantime, we remain here all those years ago, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Media Network. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the CLNS Media mobile app.